Podcast Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Why is today a special day? It is National Grilled Cheese. National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. Can you make me a grilled cheese sandwich? Wondering if you could make me a grilled cheese sandwich. A grilled cheese sandwich. It's so cheesy. A pretty awesome grilled cheese sandwich. Say cheese. Cheese, cheese, cheese. Grilled cheese. Let's get the show on the road. It's showtime. And we're hungry for grilled cheese. You know, grilled (laughs) Hi, everybody. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome to a brand new week of After 9. It is National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. And, you know, I never even think to make a grilled cheese. But anytime I have one, I think, fuck, I like grilled cheese sandwiches a lot. A lot. Grilled cheese is easy. That that's what I like about it. And I know you one could argue, you know, you can go out of your way and make it not so easy. But it is. It's easy, guys. It's easy. The cheese is already there for you. You just slab on some butter or apparently mayo. That's something I learned this morning that I did not know is that people put mayo on it and it and it's even better. So I'm willing to try it. That's fine. So whatever it is, your butter or your mayo, you have bread and you have cheese. And it's sounds simple, but it's delightful, delicious, and comforting too. Yeah, for those who aren't sure how that works, the suggestion was, and apparently they've even promoted this on the Food Network, who I happen to trust as a good reputable source for recipes, apparently instead of buttering the outside, you put mayo on the outside and then toast it as you normally would in the pan. And it comes out, they say, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, On our FM radio show today, we were talking about it, and it's amazing some of the things people have done to try and make their grilled cheese even better. Everything from adding jalapenos Mm -hmm. to switching up the bread. Some people are making like sourdough and then using garlic butter and using provolone instead of cheddar. And yeah, I'm here for all of that. That all sounds great. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to me, though, how many people are, are really confusing it, like just trying to reinvent the wheel. You've got the people who, no offense, but I'm going to call you basic, who just open up a slice of processed cheese and put it down. That's that's amateur hour, guys. If you're making a grilled cheese on National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day, you've got to at least use proper cheese. Use it. But if you want to add in the third layer of bread, you're basically just eating a cheese club. If you want to put in bacon, absolutely, for sure. You want to add uh, barbecue sauce or some hot sauce, that's great. But when you start putting other shit in it, Like um, somebody suggested, bacon's fine, but if you add a slice of ham, it's better. Yeah. No, then you're making a Monte Cristo. It's not even a grilled cheese anymore. I mean, totally. There's a difference between a grilled cheese and then making a club on a grill. You're absolutely right. Those are two different things. And I'm pretty sure like clubs and Monte Cristo's and everything else have their own days. Someone, Someone suggested... Apple slices and maple syrup with the cheese. Oh, go fuck yourself. That's (laughs) disgusting. Just fuck off. They say it's the best. (laughs) To me, a grilled cheese is a grilled cheese. I make them all the time for my kids, and it's it's an easy thing that they'll actually eat. And that's key, is actually eating it. Great. So the more basic I find I make it, the better. I can't go too gourmet for them. But, yeah, as you get older, I think we all tend to appreciate those different kinds of gourmet cheeses that you can buy. Go to the market Whip yourself up something with a little Gouda, maybe add a little provolone, a little Swiss. Nothing wrong with it. Nope. Oh, the most interesting one that we got this morning that somebody texted in was use brie as the cheese and raspberry habanero sauce. So sweet and spicy at the same time. Okay, And see, I'd still I would still consider that a grilled cheese. That's fine. A little bit of something is okay. Um, You know, you want to sprinkle on a little bit of uh, jalapeno. Someone like fine. You want to put some. 
some pickles right in there. Okay, fine. But but just don't get too crazy. Like, we don't need nine layers. Then it's not a grilled cheese anymore. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk about these idiots that are leading us right now. Leading us right into a fourth wave, if you ask me. Or a never-ending third wave. That's coming up. But before my temper reaches fever pitch, uh, let's talk about a few exciting things. We don't know what's going to happen before 3 p.m. And as we record now, it's about 20 to 10 a.m., here in Southern Ontario, uh, the Leafs have made a couple of moves, though. They added Nick Foligno and they added, uh, who is it? David Riddick, the goalie from the Calgary Flames. Freddie Anderson's getting traded today, isn't he? I have to think they're moving him. I, it's quite possible. If not, Michael Hutchinson can probably go. We certainly, what do we have, like 11 goalies for the Leafs now? It seems like we've got a lot of uh, uh, excess at that position, and we still don't have a natural starter. I mean, Campbell's playing great. He's won 11 in a row. Franchise record. It's great. But then when Freddie Anderson comes back, how do you tell the guy who put up with us through all those shitty years? Thanks, Freddie, for keeping us in games that we had no business winning because you were that good. And this year, when we're making a big push to win the cup, yeah, we're going to trade you. Yeah. It, it, uh, you know what, though? That's kind of part of the game. It's kind of part of the game. You have to take the good with the bad, and this is part of the bad, and it sucks. And s- sometimes players get left behind in that way. And Leafs do have a really good shot. They have a really good shot this year. And when we say it, we actually mean it. So I I, I know it, it probably would be so terrible for, for him to hear that, but it's part of the game, man. It's part of the game. You made your millions with the team if that's what happens, and... Best of luck to you. Kyle Dubas is fucking smart. You know, he takes people are so hot and cold on the Leafs GM. Sometimes people hate him with a passion. He'll make a move that people don't understand or they don't quite understand the salary cap restrictions that we have. And and they think Dubas is an idiot. And then other times he manages to pull off some of these deals like he's pulled off in the last 24 hours to get Felino and Riddick. And it's smart how he did it because he managed to actually free up some cap space by adding players and dealing away some draft picks that we probably don't need right now anyway. Pretty good moves, if you ask me. I can't wait to see what happens before the day is over. Uh, your husband's a big trade deadline day d- guy. Did he take today off? He is working from home today. Yeah, conveniently ah. working from home today. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll shoot him a message and see what he has to say. Because he was telling me, I know, isn't this bad? I, I wasn't paying full attention when he was telling me. But he he did mention some of his thoughts on the strategy of it all. Especially the fact that, if I'm not mistaken, putting Anderson on what he's on now takes him out of the salary cap space it, t- it yeah. takes, gets him out of the equation so it's very strategic and you're absolutely right about dubis because he's he knows he's, he's always a couple steps ahead that guy he really is so um he's all for the moves they've made so far and i'll see if i can get an update later but hey go hockey and i know there's there's people listening right now that are not fans of the leafs that are fans of other teams whatever i hope that your team gets uh make some good moves it, it isn't like it used to be though trade deadline day used to be like hot fire like every half hour a move was made and now most of the time you watch and the analysts uh, or in this case comedians i mean jerry d's on Sportsnet today uh, which at least makes it entertaining but they're usually twiddling their thumbs uh, a little bit and there's maybe one big move if they're lucky the whole day so i do hope that there's some big moves and and there is potential for that to be to happen for several canadian teams so it's good the bruins are just so fucking good though You know, I mean, they got Taylor Hall now from the Sabres, Buffalo or sorry, Boston. They were a good team to begin with, and now they're even better. So 
Uh, the way it shapes up this year, I haven't actually looked at the playoff format, but with the North Division and then the, the U.S. Divisions, is it possible that the Leafs could play Boston for the Cup? I think there is a scenario where that could happen, but I, I haven't looked into it that much. Either way, it's going to be an amazing postseason, everybody. Leafs first place in the North, and let's see what they do for the rest of the day. Before we get to the uh, COVID stuff, Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex, if you will, <laughs> Did not make the trip to the United Kingdom, but Harry is in London now for the funeral of his grandfather later on this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he just arrived there. And they made it perfectly clear before he even began his travels uh, to get uh, back to the UK for the funeral that Meghan wouldn't be with him. And the reason is that she's pregnant with their second child. And uh, the doctor advised her not to go. And we are still in the, you know, in the midst of this pandemic. So it's understandable. And she's quite far along. I believe she'll be, she'll have that baby in a couple of months, if I'm not mistaken, maybe sooner. So you don't want to travel anyway. You don't want to risk it. I, I know a lot of people think it's a quite a good excuse. It's convenient. It's convenient. And, but, but the truth is it's probably quite accurate. It probably is. And and she's miscarried before this. So she doesn't want to take any chances. And stress is extremely terrible for you uh, when you're pregnant. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go either. I wouldn't have gone either, even if there was no family drama. I would have probably had to stay behind. You know, I'm just trying to think of myself in that scenario because I had a high-risk pregnancy, too, and I was advised not to travel at the time. Not that I would have. So I think that this is totally fine that she doesn't go. And it's probably for the best that she doesn't go for everybody. I think it is anyway. It is for the best. Uh, I tend to think she was uninvited. I think it was one of those things where Harry, yeah, absolutely, you're more than welcome to come alone. And this was just a good to excuse. A funeral. Oh my god, you have to be some kind of Satan to say. And this is his. Don't forget, this is his grandmother's husband. This is his grandfather. They were fine. This isn't like I, I don't know a different member of the family that would have been so far gone that that he, they hated each other. This is his grandma's husband. Her gram, The grandmother would have been fine with Megan being there, I think. I do, you don't do shit like that. You, I hope to God you don't do shit like that. This is We're talking about mourning the loss of somebody. You don't need to bring drama into it, so I certainly hope they didn't. You know, the queen is the queen, but there's no shortage of people that believe it's actually the future king, Charles, that's calling the shots, and he's Harry's dad. And I think it's well documented now that there is a lot of friction and turmoil there. And, you know, after the interview that they did where they basically tried to to murder Prince Charles in the media, I don't know that she would have been welcome. I really don't. And I get that it's the death of a family member for Harry and by extension, Meghan as well. But I don't know that she was necessarily welcome at that or that she would feel comfortable being there. As far as her not being able to travel, maybe her doctors did tell her that. Maybe they didn't. But when we look at actual risk here, uh, nobody, bar none, has better access to health care in the United Kingdom than the royal family. She would have been uh, she would have had access to the best health care in, in Europe, probably. Had she made the trip and it would have been a private flight and she could have returned at the drop of a hat if she needed to for any reason. So I don't know that it was necessarily strongly advised or a convenient excuse or what. I I obviously don't know the situation of her particular pregnancy. However, it does seem a little weird. She's not due for a few more months. It's not like she could give birth at any day right now or even in a few weeks. And they said stay home. Yeah, stress can most definitely induce 
Absolutely. I think that just the, the fact of her going, that's why I think it's probably a combo, honestly. Yes, the doctor probably advised not to because the stress levels would have been through the roof. Absolutely. And emotional and and everything else, I think that it's probably a combo of both. And, yeah, you could, she, something most definitely could have gone wrong. And you don't want to take that chance when you're pregnant. You just don't. How many text messages and phone calls between Harry and Megan do you see going back and forth this week? Yeah, they'll be communicating absolutely frequently. Yes. So the funeral's not until, I think it's Saturday. Correct. What is Harry doing for the next five days? Is he hanging out with William at uh, Balmoral? Is he with his grandmother at Buckingham Palace? What is he going to do for the five extra days between now and the funeral? Is he going to get together with Prince Charles? Is it time for a father-son meeting to discuss that interview they did with Oprah and some of the accusations that were um, implied in that? Or is this just not even going to get brought up? Yeah, it's, it all depends on how things go. I'm sure they're both, they're, all of them are going to just kind of take it one step at a time. The The truth is when, when you're mourning the loss and there's any kind of family drama, and I know we talked about it briefly in the podcast on Friday, that you, you, I think everybody knows, anyone with like a level head knows you're focused on that first. So let's talk about our memories of grandpa. You know, let's really get, take the time to mourn um, the loss and let's not focus on the family drama. But it could get to a point. I mean, there are many days between now and Saturday. It could get to a point where the arrangements are made and he's kind of sitting around saying, okay, well, I guess I'll go for lunch with my family or he's invited out here or there and then they get to discussing things. So it, it could be potential for for good, you know, like a, a good thing and get to air out some things. Although their last conversation did not go good, according to Gail King, right, who said that it just, that he did reach out and did speak with his dad and it didn't go well. And he's, William had taken the time to talk with him eventually and it didn't go great either. So I don't know, it's going to be an awkward week. And it's probably not the most fun for Harry, but it's his family and he's going through with it and he's there for his grandma. And I'm sure that that's what he's thinking in his head. I'm here for grandma. That's who I'm here for. And that's what it should be about. Do you think there's any scenario where the two brothers, William and Harry, have a private one-on-one? Do you think there's any scenario where the other future king, William, pulls Harry aside and says, let's have a little heart-to-heart about what the fuck's going on here? And what has happened and how we can move forward. Do you think that's going to happen or will it all stay very much about the funeral? Yeah, I mean, I could see potential for there to be some talk. Like I said, how many arrangements? I mean, they hire people to do arrangements for the most part, right? Like, you really just have to agree on a couple of things. Take a look at the will, maybe. That's probably a part of it. I'm not too sure what that looks like. Like, I'm not too sure if that's something that really happens with the royal family. Uh, Personal things being shared or... Uh, I'm sure there's le- there could be letters to everybody. I mean, the guy was 99. It's not like it was a shocking that he was taken from us. So, I mean, there could be letters to go through and things to do. There's potential, though. A couple of things happened over the weekend here in Ontario. Uh, I'll, I'll try and give you a quick rundown here, and you tell me if we need to discuss it any further. First off, we had a lot of new COVID cases in Ontario. 4,456 for Sunday, 3,813 for Saturday. And today, the province is going to announce 4,401 new cases, I believe it is. 44. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be over 4,000 again today. And it seems like these variants are getting out of control. And I'll acknowledge, by the way, that the modeling this time did predict that. It's a little strange that they finally got one right and it was now. But anyway, yeah. 
in any case, uh, between Friday, Saturday and Sunday, over 10,000 new cases in Ontario. There's over 600 people in the ICU. And that's part of the reason that a stay at home order is in effect. But one of the emergency orders that was released by the province this weekend, very controversial. The government is now going to allow hospitals to transfer patients without their consent to other hospitals if it's needed for hospital capacity. And I'm trying to figure out how you would feel as a patient. If you go to the hospital, it's because you're sick. You're having trouble breathing. Whatever happened, happened to get you to the hospital. So you can get checked in to Sunnybrook. And then when you wake up, you can be in Thunder Bay. Yeah. I mean, that's a trek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's happening in some cases. They're moving patients out of the GTA to other areas that have available capacity. Mm-hmm. And and I'm looking at, for example, the area where we broadcast to Waterloo Region. 18 people hospitalized. Four are in the ICU. But the ICUs in Waterloo Region could very quickly become overrun if they keep transferring people out of the GTA to those hospitals. Same with all of the other outlying areas. So it really isn't just a Toronto problem. They're making this an Ontario problem. And all healthcare workers, I mean, it must be pretty tough getting out of bed every single morning, knowing what you're walking into, knowing that we're still in this, and knowing it's probably going to be busier today than it was yesterday. And it'll be busier tomorrow than it was today. Yeah, We're really looking up a mountain right now, Kat. I know it's not great. Have they already canceled all the kind of elective uh, procedures and and surgeries? Did they make that announcement? Is that official as of this week? Yeah, they they told hospitals to start ramping down elective and non-urgent surgeries and Mm -hmm. procedures. I mean, if you had a reason to go and get a colonoscopy, maybe a weird feeling, maybe you saw a little blood or something like that and thought, "Uh oh, I better go and get this dealt with. And your colonoscopy gets canceled. How are you feeling right now? I mean, fuck. Can we even rely on our healthcare system now? I mean, if God forbid uh, you happen to trip while you're taking out the garbage and you shatter your elbow, are you really going to get the treatment that you would normally get? Well, Probably not, because there's a lot of fucking COVID patients tying up resources here. And maybe the answer is hospital by hospital, but I can tell you, because I, I know someone that's very close to me that works in, in, in the hospital, they keep those things very, very separated. When you're walking into the ER, you shouldn't be walking in as a COVID patient. There's a separate area for you altogether. There, there's no mixing and mingling. So you should still get the proper care for one thing, and it's completely cut off. Uh, maternity wards are the same. You don't touch an area where there's one COVID patient. Patient, You don't even walk through a hall where there might have been one. They keep them very, very separate. And there's also specialists that you're supposed to see for, for other things like colonoscopy, for example. That's why they have clinics and they'll probably have to, maybe it'll take you longer to get there. I mean, you're absolutely right. It could slow, slow things down, most definitely. But there's other areas that you're supposed to go in. Hopefully each city is organized enough to deal with it. But yes, some might slip through the cracks. I don't know if anyone has any particular stories um, about that, I know there's people whose procedures were, because they were considered like non-emergency procedures, were pushed back and pushed back and pushed back the first wave and the second wave. Um, and hopefully they'll be able to deal with this third wave now of canceled or, or postponed procedures quickly. But we've seen some pretty shitty news that comes from that too, Scott. I don't know if you've seen some too. I've seen the odd headline where it's like, this person, their surgery was not deemed uh, to be an emergency or an essential surgery to have. So it was pushed back because of COVID and they died. 
And the, the cause Real. is exactly what they were going to go into surgery for, but the doctors assume they'd be fine to push it back. So things like that are very scary. So if you are facing that point where you're about to have a surgery that might not be deemed a life-saving surgery and you get it pushed back, you're probably a little bit scared because you've yeah. seen those headlines too. There's only so many doctors. There's only so many nurses. There's only so many beds. And I'll tell you something, Kat. I'm starting to feel it a little bit, and maybe I'm wrong to feel this way. Maybe I am, but I'm starting to feel a little more selfish. I am because I pay a lot of money in taxes in this country, like everybody else does. And the thought that I might actually need to go to the hospital and I haven't been for years, knock on wood. But if I actually needed to go to a hospital right now and couldn't get the care that I deserve, I expect and I'm entitled to. Because there's so many people that went out and caught COVID-19, I'd be pretty pissed. I mean, we pay a ton of money in this country for that social safety net. And part of it is our universal health care system. And if you can't get the best care possible because of COVID, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've gone through this whole, again, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I've managed to go through this whole thing without catching COVID-19. And if one time I actually do need a hospital and specialists and things like that, and I can't get the care that I'm entitled to because so many people caught COVID, that's a problem to me. Is that being selfish or should I just take one for the team? You know, maybe I shouldn't even bother going to the hospital unless it's a real emergency because there are other people. Yeah. Eh, I mean, maybe my hand is broken. Maybe it's not. Eh, I'll, I'll just walk it off. It's worth being concerned about, I understand, but I don't think we're at that point. Not to say we wouldn't get there in some areas, um, but I don't think we're at that point. Well, you know, and another thing, too, here is with the COVID vaccine rollout, we got some vaccination numbers today, by the way. Yesterday, Ontario only vaccinated 94,794. That's down a little bit from Saturday, where we were over 100,000. But it's still a low number when you compare it to some of the other jurisdictions in the world. And Canada now, sorry, Ontario now has uh, 4,028,725 doses delivered. That's 27% of the population able to get one shot. Don't say that we don't have a supply problem in this country. We have a major supply problem here in Ontario if we've only got enough for one vaccine for 27% of the population. This week, by the way, we're only getting a million doses total. Mm-hmm. Only Pfizer is delivering to Ontario this week. Only Pfizer. Next week, we're going to get a combination of Pfizer and Moderna. So what's happening with the Moderna shots that we got last week? Again, feel free to tell me if I'm being selfish here, but an Ontario pilot project offering COVID-19 vaccines to migrant farm workers got underway Saturday at Pearson Airport. These migrant farm workers, when they landed, were given the mandatory COVID-19 test and then a complimentary Moderna vaccine. We gave out 200 vaccines to incoming farm workers from Mexico. I think everybody understands how the migrant farm workers work. We've got a lot of jobs that need to be done on farms here in Ontario that most Ontarians think they're too good to do. So we have to bring in people mainly from South America, to work our farms. Well, in the first wave, a lot of them got sick because they live in shitty conditions in a lot of cases, very close quarters, and and they were on top of each other, and a lot of them got sick, and some of them even died. So now we're vaccinating them when they get here. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, 
Should we be prioritizing incoming Mexican farm workers over someone who is right in the danger zone? I'll use me as an example, right in the danger zone, 40 year old adult male who's a little bit overweight. Should we do the the 200 incoming Mexican farm workers over someone who's lived here all his life and pays taxes? Yeah. Is that fair? Or are we just managing the risk? We want to make sure there's no migrant farm outbreaks. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that we're doing it. I'm totally okay with this. I do find it a bit selfish for everyone to th- assume that they should go first before someone who's doing these jobs that we that are essential. We need to make sure that all of these workers are properly taken care of because that's going to affect everything. And at the end of the day, it'll affect the mighty dollar. And there's something to say about that because the cost of food will go up if, let's say, things are halted and... Uh, whatever these migrant workers can't be doing what they're doing because like you mentioned there's apparently a lot of ontarians that are not willing to do those jobs so i'm okay with it it doesn't bother me but i go back to what i said initially i I, i'm willing to wait i'm okay with waiting i know full well i'm probably like not going to get vaccinated until i don't know september you know at best i think just the way that it's rolling out it's been shit and i hope that i hope that i'm wrong i hope that that's not the same but i think that everything's going to be pushed back a lot more than than we all assume that it will be. Most of us assume it will be. I'm starting to wonder, though, if I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, but I'm perfectly okay, to make it clear, I'm perfectly okay with those people who are deemed essential to to go ahead of me. I'm okay with it. I don't care. You work in a grocery store, you're you're young, you're you're 22, but you're concerned because you're on the front lines, do it. Most definitely all the people in healthcare should go before me. Most definitely all the people in school should go before me. That goes without question. And, of course, the elderly that we've already hopefully vaccinated the majority of. I'm not sure how many are left now. I don't know where we're at with that or if we get an update on that anymore. I hope everyone's been vaccinated that's over 70 years old even. I hope so. I know that there's 60-year-olds getting vaccinated, so I hope that means we're through with the other populations. But, yeah, I'm 100%. I had somebody message me, actually, um, who uh, is indigenous? I wish I could find the the message. Who felt almost shame because they were because they were younger, but because they are deemed high risk, and they're hearing all these people say that their parents haven't been vaccinated, for example, because they're in an older category. You know, don't feel that way. If you get the vaccine, that's good. Like I, I personally don't care. I'm not taking that selfish approach. No, I, I don't. If, I'm not if, on the front lines. I'm not working in grocery stores. I'm not working on a farm. I'm perfectly safe and happy going back and forth between my home and work, doing the minimal thing, staying at home and properly distanced and mask on. And I'm okay. You all get shots before me. I'm good with it. No, I did feel that way. And I'm tired of it now. And I'll tell you why, because I have done the right thing all along. And there's actually a couple of reasons I feel this way. Number one, I don't think I've advocated enough for people like you and I just regular, fairly low risk, but still risky demographics here and it seems like everybody and their mother has got their hands up right now oh i should be next i should be next i should be next okay well there was so much lobbying for various different interest groups and professions and occupations to get vaccinated that now seems like it's starting to get a little out of hand you'll recall back at the beginning of the pandemic when all that was getting done was sorry not at the beginning of the pandemic the beginning of the rollout of of vaccines there was uh, obviously we had to do healthcare workers first. Then we started getting stories about, okay, well, yeah, we're vaccinating the healthcare workers, but Joe Blow, who is working for the hospital, but they work from home, not even close to frontline, nowhere near the actual hospital. They work in accounting from home. 
Why did they get a vaccine before other people did? Well, I don't think it's going to be perfect. Hold on. Hold on. Now we're vaccinating, okay, all these uh, manufacturers. Okay, that's all well and good that we're going to go in and vaccinate some people that work at the Amazon warehouse in Brampton. But are we only vaccinating the people who work on the floor? Or are those executives, those people in the offices, or even working from home, are the sales staff, the point of sale people, are they getting vaccinated too? Because they're no more frontline than I am. Do they get vaccinated just because they happen to work for the right company? I'm really starting to wonder here about this. And I mean, there's even education workers who don't actually work in schools. They don't actually work with students hands on. They're going to get vaccinated now just because of where they work, not because of the job they do. And if everybody else is going to raise their hand, that's fine. I was content to let the more vulnerable go first. But now I'm starting to wonder to myself, Am I just going to keep getting kicked back down the line if I don't stand up and demand my vaccine? Because it kind of seems like more and more people every day are getting prioritized over people like me, people like you. And part of the problem with this is the variants that are circulating. Those ones attack the people between 30 and 50. They go after my age group. So whereas initially when we were vaccinating specifically against COVID-19, it made sense to do the 80 plus and then the 75 and the 70 and the 65 and so on and so forth. But now we've got these variants circulating around that are targeting people in the Gen X area. So why haven't we shifted the focus to them? I want to make sure that no vaccines are getting wasted, and I want to make sure that the vaccines we're putting out are going to the people who truly are high risk. And if we're not going to truly give them to people who are high risk, front of house, working with the public in a high risk scenario, then I want mine now, too. And I'll start getting real fucking loud about it. I can just I'll make up some excuse about why I'm in danger, because it seems like other people are doing the same thing and they're actually getting their way. There's some people who are in no danger at all. They just happen to have a bad postal code that allows them to get vaccinated. No questions asked. And I don't understand that. Are we doing high risk or are we just addressing problems here that are problems for the government on paper? Because I'd like my vaccine, please. I've waited a long time. I've done all the right things. Uh, One more reason here, and then we'll move on, is... There's someone on my Facebook page who has from day one been a colossal pain in the ass about COVID, constantly questioning false positives and PCR cycles and the fake numbers that the government's putting out and yada, 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 just bitching about everything. This is a person who is full blown. Fuck COVID. I'm not listening to the man. Got vaccinated on the weekend. And it's amazing how quickly the tune changes. It went from COVID's not real. What are the PCR rates? How many false positives are there to, I got my first shot. Hang in there, guys. The end is near. It's almost over. Just hang in there. It's real easy to be optimistic when you got your shot. It's not as easy to remain optimistic when you're sitting here waiting for your shot and you keep getting kicked further down the line. I, I, um, are you, are you, are you done? I'm done. You go ahead. If you want a perfect system, like, fuck, you better get in your DeLorean and go back because and do this all over again. It's not perfect. And whatever they do from here forward is not going to be perfect either. And, yes, there's going to be little things that slip through the cracks. I guarantee you there would be little things that slip through, through the crack too anywhere. 
Yeah, maybe as your example of an Amazon employee who actually works from home, but for whatever reason they qualify because of that. Like, I don't give a shit. Then what's the difference between them getting it or you getting it? Then give it to me. Yeah. What are you going to, why do you want it so badly? Why do you want this vaccine so badly right now? What will change for you? I want the peace of mind and the protection that the people who are vaccinated have. And I also want it because I should have it. I'm in the target variant demographic. The variant goes after what well, it hospitalizes more people our age than any other demo. We just went through an entire year of protecting our senior citizens, and I'm glad we did. Now let's go after where the virus is being or is targeting. There's millions of you in this category. There's millions sure there and millions and millions. And it's a real problem. Like it's, it's a real problem. Yeah. That we don't have enough vaccines for us. So if we're going to prioritize, all I'm saying is let's make sure that it actually goes to the high risk people. And if it's not going to go to the frontline high risk people, then open it up to everybody. And we'll we'll all just sit there, click and refresh. Wasn't that what I fucking suggested over a week ago? Open it up to everybody so that people like you don't have to continuously ask why you're not being vaccinated. And this person is just open it up. There's some people who are skipping their spot in line because they're just waiting on the Pfizer and they apparently got a AstraZeneca or they're waiting on the Moderna or whatever the fuck it is. Open it up to everybody. I think that would be the best solution. Everybody has an appointment time. Everybody goes. And yes, absolutely. Frontline, though. Unfortunately, the way it works, we don't have a lot of vaccines. We don't have enough vaccines to just open it up to everyone everywhere and do like a straight shutdown. Well, we do three weeks, three weeks worth of vaccinations for everybody. That's not what's happening here because we're getting fucked with the amount of vaccines that we don't have. So it's not going to, it's not a perfect system. You're, it's like you're waiting around, like wishing and hoping for a perfect system or to, no, no, no. to all of a sudden magically appear when it's nope. definitely not going to happen. Like it's, no, we're all, fucked. We're all, fucked. All I'm saying is if we're not going to do the high risk people, if it's really just a matter of if you put your hand up and scream loud enough, they'll put you in line. Then I'm going to put my hand up and, and start saying, I want mine too, because it seems like that's what everybody's doing and they're actually getting it. It's crazy to me that there are people who are in no more danger than I am. They just happen to work in the right profession or the right industry or for the right company, and they're getting prioritized. And I don't understand that when there are still people out there who are at risk, who aren't getting their vaccine, they've got to wait their turn. I just really, really wait. And and don't get me wrong, to use your example, if they say to me, Scott, you can have this shot or we can give it to that uh, overweight 55-year-old that has uh, diabetes, Give it to the overweight 55-year-old with diabetes. Absolutely. He needs it more than I do, for sure. But, I mean, if they're going to be vaccinating just because you happen to work for a law blah company, even though you don't actually work in a grocery store, you're working from home on accounting or data entry, okay, that's bullshit. You don't deserve it just because you happen to work for the right company. You shouldn't be prioritized, but you are getting it, and that's frustrating for a lot of people. And like I said, A lot of people that are in that prime targeted demographic by the variants are looking and they just see themselves getting further and further and further and further down the line. It's very frustrating. Where can I, why can't we order these online yet, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) Why can't I order one from Amazon? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's It's just frustrating, you know, and I mean, the rollout's got a lot of people talking for sure. Yeah, it is. It's frustrating. Unfortunately, we're not dealing with again i wish we could just go back and blow the whole thing up and and start fresh with it because it it does seem to be a mess and we're going to continue 
to hear people getting it here and there and everywhere. And it's not very organized, at least from my point of view. So I, t- I agree. I totally understand your frustration, but I'm just of the mindset of I, I, I'm going to trust that who's getting vaccinated now should get vaccinated over me. Absolutely. And on that, we will say thank you for listening on the first Monday of spring break. Oh, spring break time. Oh, it's all, <laughs> so many great spots in Florida to visit right now. Oh, Good. yeah. Get out there. Enjoy it. Um, quick question. Today, the premier is making an announcement with Dr. David Williams and, and the health minister, Christine Elliott, and Stephen Lecce, the education minister. And I can't think of any reason that he'd be coming out there on day one of spring break unless it's to announce they're going to keep kids home for a couple more weeks until we get more teachers vaccinated. Yeah, Do you I, think that's what it is? Or is he just going to come out and remind people yeah. to stay home? You know, your guess is as good as mine. I it's, I find it so unpredictable, so unpredictable because he, he stressed over and over again. Nope. We're going to put kids back in. We're going to put kids back in. The only, the only places that'll be the exception, I think are, what is it? Toronto and Peel are going to stay, stay back. Is that right? Or do well, we that's know? up to their public health unit. Right. So unless they get over overruled, my guess is uh, they might. They might make that announcement today. But usually we hear whisperings of that, though. You'll usually hear in advance. They'll usually give give us a little warning before they make the official announcement. So I don't expect that to be the announcement. But again, I do find it unpredictable. He might just go out of his way to say and confirm kids will be back in class next Monday. Kids will be back in class next Monday. Maybe that's what he's going to do. I don't know. It's entirely possible. Guys, have yourselves a fantastic Monday. Be careful. Don't take a vaccine unless you're actually entitled to one. And we will catch you right back here tomorrow with another edition of After 9. The CDC has announced that there is almost zero chance of getting COVID from surfaces. And with that, Americans never wash their hands again. Starbucks has launched a new eco-friendly program called Borrow a Cup, in which customers return their cup after finishing their drink so the store can use it again. And Dunkin' Donuts plans to compete with this promotion by not doing that. The house where Lizzie Borden murdered her parents has been sold for $2 million and will be turned into a bed and breakfast. Though a bed and breakfast where a murder happened is pretty much just a day's in. If you're a restaurant like the one in Detroit that's banning people from entering because they smell like marijuana, you need to learn a little bit more about marijuana. People who are high will order everything you have on the menu. And if you bring them the wrong food, they'll still eat that, too. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.